Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We were on vacation last week, so we're feeling fresh and we're ready to go. I mean, at least I do. I don't want to speak for you, Amanda. I'm excited. I'm glad to see you. I'm also really uh, grateful that all of the Jam Session core interests or the core people seem to do something over the week. So we have a robust uh, slate of topics to our interests to discuss. So obviously, Megan and Harry have decamped to Montecito, which I'm disappointed in myself for not predicting. Like, I just feel like that was really obvious and we should have guessed it. But it's okay. We're going to discuss it. Um, also some Brad and Jen news, which I always just welcome. Thank you so much to them. Um, and just, I think I'm most excited to talk about some, some news and like the gossip celebrity space that has developed during quarantine. Um, unfortunately for us, it begins with the latest in the relationship of my personal, uh, longtime love, perhaps the love of my celebrity life, Ben Affleck and mm-hmm. his current girlfriend, Miss Ananda Armas, who Universal approval, I think, as an actress. Like, what's wrong with Ana de Armas as an actress? Nothing so far. I mean, yeah, yeah what's interesting is that this was supposed to be the big year of Ana de Armas. She was going to be, um, well, she still is in the James Bond movie, but the James Bond upcoming James Bond movie has not been released yet. And she is in a major, um, an Andrew Dominic film, which she's playing Marilyn Monroe. And it, there were, and also obviously the movie that she made with Ben Affleck. So, she had knives out and then it was going to be like her big year. And now all the movies are on hold because will we ever get movies again? I don't know. Listen to the big pick, but what we have now are her paparazzi photos, which have become an art form. And and you were saying before we started, and we want to talk about like they became an art form and they have brought me so much joy during quarantine, but they are also now moving to the next phase of paparazzi photo, which is, can we give these people a break? Yeah. And so a couple of things have happened. Ben Affleck had his birthday. For his birthday, he got a motorcycle. To ride on his motorcycle, he and Anna had matching mint green helmets. And I was just like, they must really be in love to be wearing these together. And I also was concerned that their relationship was moving very fast, according to the Amanda Dobbins relationship timeline. But you know, Ben is uh, almost 50 and things move faster when you're older. She's in her 30s. Well, who am I to say? The photos were really something. We 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 had to we corresponded about them while we were both on vacation. Yes, we did. <laughs> I I want to say two things. Number one, happy birthday, Ben Affleck, my fellow Leo. It's we're always thrilled for people celebrating their birthdays, and especially with ridiculous um, gifts. I also appreciate their road safety. You know, I guess it's the law. You have to wear helmets, but still, good job. I I do think that the matching helmets are are a lot. And I here's what I couldn't figure out because they they are just really in front of a BMW motorcycle and they're wearing matching mint green helmets and it's hilarious and there is like an awareness of the fact that they're being photographed and it that's been the thing it kind of looks like they're putting on a bit of a show obviously yeah. there was the Ana de Armas cutout situation and there were there have been photos when they're like smiling at the paparazzi. They go to the Dunkin' Donuts because they know, not that they know, but they're participating or not participating, but maybe cooperating. And you wonder how much of that is, this is just the easiest way to give them what they want and go away. And versus how much of this is, we are, we don't mind. We're having fun. You and I always, our spidey senses go up when people are um, together and also working on something. And, for a while, I did wonder this 
this romance seemingly bloomed out of working on set together, which happens often. And then you wonder, okay, is it just like convenient? But it seems, and then is being a part of the paparazzi experience, just another part of we're working together and this all works out and it's good for now, but we've kind of moved past. It's good for now stage. Yeah, totally. And I think, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about like the, the advantage of staging these photos and they definitely stage some of them. Not definitely not all. Um, and I think that was smart. Like they, you know, they both attract a lot of attention. And so if they want to be able to be a public couple, it's better to give a little and then keep a lot for yourself. I think that's, I think that's like a sound strategy, but I saw photos on at Armis updates on Twitter, which we've discussed a lot here and also on tea time. Um, on to Armis wearing a t-shirt with a towel wrapped around her, her like waist down, reaching outside of the fence from her home, picking up, um, the sugar fish delivery that had been dropped off at her house. And like, as I saw that photo, I just thought to myself, like, this has gone too far. Like, can the woman not open her front door to get her delivery during COVID? Like she can't go to sugar fish. Anyone who's lived in the general vicinity of a sugar fish knows how delicious it is and how great they are at delivery. Like let her have her sugar fish in peace. And I just felt like that was like a, a real invasion. And obviously there's a lot of like, we do a lot of kind of like prevaricating and like thinking about like what is and isn't okay. And I think to be a celebrity in 2020 is to understand there's a certain level of photography and, and attention that comes with it. And they clear, they clearly get it, but I don't think that you have to be okay. And I don't think you have to accept that you will just have to, you will just be photographed every time you go to your front front door. And like, yeah, that's part of living in LA, but it's actually like not really Venice culture where she lives. Like that's actually not part of living in Venice as far as I am aware. And, and I, I just think that like that felt like a murky line that was crossed to me. And then yesterday, Armas updates, the account disappeared. It's gone. And so I wonder if other people or Anna de Armas and her team felt the same way. Like this has gone too far. Let's stop. They can't control the paparazzi necessarily, but they can control some of these accounts, I bet, or take action. I don't know. And it just, it just felt like there was a line that was crossed. And I feel like in this summer of um, no red carpets and no premieres and limited celebrity sanctioned activity that like, there's a real thirst for this. And it, it just, it felt like crossed a line with those photos for me. Yeah. I think in, in any situation, but particularly this one, there's like the thrill of the the first experience and, you know, they were playing along and it's fun and everyone was like just enjoying it. It was COVID-19 and like we all felt OK about it for a while. But if once it crosses into like a durational situation. I like, I don't think anyone was like, yes, what I'm signing up for now is to look at photos of every single thing that Anna Armas does for the rest of her life. And I don't think Anna Armas was like, yes, what I'm signing up for is to be photographed every single time I leave home for the rest of my life. And some of that is just kind of how the certainly social media economy and uh, attention economy works right now is that, you know, if it works, people keep trying to to pursue it. And they're like, well, these photos sold for this much. So we'll just keep going. And we know where she lives. And there was like an ease of use to it. It's funny. I did a um, staycation in Venice a few weeks ago for my birthday. And every day I went out, I was like, should I try to go find Anna Armas and Ben Affleck? Because it's now Venice is so synonymous with photos of them. And you just kind of think that like, oh, they must be out there somewhere. And if I wander long enough, I'll be able to see them. And part of that is because how Venice is set up, that homes are on the street. It is like more walkable than most of Los Angeles. And so some of it is 
they know where she's going to be. There's like an ease of use. And that's kind of what it feels like to me is that there is just a routine now and everyone has established like this is what we do and we haven't examined this, but it's not normal. It's I don't think it was meant to be a sustained thing. I don't think when they agreed to cooperate with some paparazzi photos that they were like, yes, we'll give you access to the rest of our lives for all time. But, you know, there's no mechanism in place. There are no nuance in these situations. And I think the other thing that you and I wanted to talk about that's like kind of related to this and kind of not is that no one really has any, there are no rules and no one has any control for how these things are disseminated and like what we feel okay about and like, and what actually does cross the line. And we often don't know until it's already crossed the line and you have to stop and think, wait a second, this is invasive. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of, and I don't want to like give tabloids too much credit, but like when us weekly runs photos, when the national Enquirer runs photos, like across the whole spectrum, there's like a decision by a team of people. That's like, we're running this photo because we think it's a news story and whether that's Mm -hmm. malicious or beneficent is, you know, up for debate, as Megan and Harry certainly think. But when when it's just a constant stream of photos that are available on like Armis updates, there's not the same kind of like deliberation or intent behind it. And so it's a lot. And also then as for us as as um, consumers of the account, there's just like a lot more like kind of passive experience of like knowing what someone is doing all the time. And it's just like, it's just pretty weird. And I think the social media aspect of Stan accounts was like kind of fun and funny at first for this, but then it just got uncomfortable. Um, and I, I wanted to talk about this new phenomenon in the gossip space that's on Instagram that remind that kind of felt tied into this, which is the account De Moi, D-E-U-X-M-O-I. So uh, to me is, I, I think that's like a play on, on DMs, on right? Direct messages that must be. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, smart. That's what I think it is because I don't know if you're from Amanda or do you follow this account? It's protected. It's like one of those massive ones that are, keep it locked. So I don't follow an account. I, I, I don't follow it personally. I have a good friend, my friend Marissa Meltzer, who will send updates. She follows it. She's on the inside. I hope I didn't just like get her kicked out of the Dumois community. Marissa, if I did, I'm really sorry. I don't think you did because I think this is common. This is how I learned about it too. Like my brother and some other people were sending me um, screenshots from it. And basically Dumois is a woman. She, she, uh, I think she refers to herself as as a woman in some way in, in her commentary. And that's how I know that. So at least she identifies as a woman. Um, and she just posts screenshots of celebrity anecdotes that she receives in her DMS. And like, she, there's like a few like people of interest in particular to her, which is like John Mayer, Kendall Jenner, uh, Will Ferrell, for some reason, Tom Hanks, um, recently the selling sunset women. Cause that show is trending on, tw- on Netflix, like, and people at uh, Lauren Graham, the last few days has been a really big one. And so people just like send her anecdotes about if people are nice or not, or like where they're seeing people. And so she tries to keep them anonymous, but like, it'll be like Andy Cohen and seen at blank in Bridgehampton. And then it's all these stories about like, if Lauren Graham is nice or not on set. And it's, so it's like, a ton of conflicting anecdotes about like if someone is nice or not. And so it's just sort of like, if she gets an anecdote, she posts it. And once in a while, she'll be like, there's like a line that she won't cross. Like, especially as it relates to housewives drama, because there's a lot of hearsay and about that. And she'll be like, check it out on Reddit. I don't feel comfortable posting it. But like, I don't know what this, this woman's line is. And she just like posts a lot of people's sightings. It's kind of, it's kind of a, co- a combination of Gawker soccer from back in the aughts. And, um, 
like uh, blind items and then just like just rumors. And so it's like, I, I'm actually like not into it. At first I was like, oh, this is great. But it's like so much hearsay. Then it was like, there's no actual information here. And it's like so many posts per day. And it doesn't actually like tell you anything about these people because there's no like sourcing. And I, I'm not particularly like precious about journalism. I mean, obviously I, I support it. <laughs> you are, by the it. way. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> but this, like, this just felt like this just feels wrong to me. And I think it's a weird phenomenon and it's like increasingly popular. This, this yeah. So I, the updates that I get, it's very funny to hear you list who is actually like popular on Dumois because Marissa just sends me updates about Army Hammer. So yeah. I was going to say very confidently that Army Hammer is like the number one focus on Dumois, but like, I don't actually think that's the case. It's just the interest group of me and my friend, which accurate. I am interested in Army Hammer. And, you know, he did announce his divorce this summer. And so there were a lot of... Uh, alleged updates around that. I think one thing that's interesting to me is just that none of it is verifiable. And I think Marissa always sends it to me with like, this is probably fake. And they're often screenshots of like alleged DMs from the person in question. And you and I know, and most people on the internet know that like, it's very easy to Photoshop these things. These things are like extremely fakeable. And then they can be submitted. And like, we don't know what kind of verification process is going on. And I I honestly don't mean to like accuse Dumois of anything. It's just that there is, it's, it's so easy, especially at this volume for things to not be real. Um, Yeah. And and that's always the case in celebrity gossip, but this seems like even further down the line of just like, who knows? Like this could not be real. Um, They posted one about uh Aisha Curry recently that accused her of um getting liposuction and other plastic surgery during COVID. And like and Aisha Curry is on the cover of Shape magazine this month for having lost a lot of weight and having a new fitness and diet regime or regimen, I suppose is the proper word. Um and I also like felt offended by that one. And I'm obviously super critical of plastic surgery. I talk about it on this show on Bachelor Party. But I felt like to accuse someone of um, secret plastic surgery when they very publicly like have chronicled their fitness, which Aisha Curry does. I just felt like it was mean. And I was like, you have no way of knowing this true. And this is such, like a, a typical blow to, towards someone to be like, they got this, this and this done. Um, that like that one like bothered me. I don't know. For some reason, I'm like annoyed by the fake information that this website seems to be spreading. And then and then also, I guess, um, you know, Chrissy Teigen announced that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And there was like a ton of false information on this account about whether or not she could have um, gotten her breast implants removed with local or general anesthesia while she was pregnant. Just like a ton of conjecture about like what procedures Chrissy Teigen has had. I'm just like, this is this is inappropriate. I don't know. I'm not sure why I'm so um, offended by this. I love blind items, but it just feels so reckless. Yeah, I think I do understand it. And part of it is because you and I actually do take celebrity gossip seriously, despite all of the caveats and the kind of hand wringing and the examination that we try to bring to this, that it's people's lives and that there are a lot of like ethical quandaries involved in all of this and that a lot of things that you hear aren't true. You and I are actually interested in the things that are true. You You and I are interested in this as and I hesitate to use this word because I do believe in journalism, but things that are reported and things that um, either people do want us to know, or usually if you're hearing about it and it's reported, somebody wants you to know it, whether it's the person in question or not, is a different 
conversation. But there's something about the chaos of this and it just not being verifiable in any way, shape or form, and it being kind of a mess that contradicts the the narratives that you and I are interested in and that most people are because at the end of the day, what you're interested in in celebrity gossip or what I'm interested in is like someone's creation of themselves and their image over time yeah. and how and how they put that to use because it is a usable commodity in this day and age. But it's like very confusing and often like muddies that narrative, which, I, you know, it can be good and bad. I don't mean to like, um, I don't mean to say that you don't want to hear bad things about celebrities at all. That's not yeah. what I'm trying to say, but it's just kind of, there's, you just don't know what to trust. And I think also the other thing that kind of rubs both of us the wrong way, and I'm speaking for you, so definitely correct me. <laughs> and this is a podcast. It's what it's for is that, um, it seems to undermine the other aspects of celebrity gossip. You know, yeah. it's funny when I try to describe jam session to people, I'm like, well, it's a podcast about celebrity gossip. And I kind of brace internally for what their reaction is or what they're thinking that we're talking about. Yeah. And to, to some extent, they're right. But to some extent, like you and I don't read Star or In Touch or the National Enquirer for a reason and because we know about their practices and we know that most of those sources and those stories are not as reliable. Like you and I actually try to interrogate what's going on, what's true, and also like the sociological implications. Like we we take it seriously. Yeah. And so that's that's really well put. And it's sort of like why I don't want to just like I don't want to be part of like the rumor mill and like just like be part of like that grist. But like I, I do agree with you. Like th there's a lot of I, I find like the concept of celebrity like endlessly fascinating and the interplay between the celebrities themselves and the mechanisms around them to enhance that celebrity is really fascinating. And I think the sort of like the recklessness of of stand accounts and demois um just really undercut that and sort of like turn it into like a holy war that I just find like strange. And like, I'm like, who does this benefit except for like bored people on social media? Yeah. There's also this element and you may disagree, but like, I do care whether people are rude versus not rude in yeah. everyday situations, just because I, I honestly do think that's an indication of their character and how they are as a person. And also, you know, you don't be rude. Don't bully people. Have respect for other people in all walks of life. So that does matter. But there is a sense to a lot of these stories of just kind of like, I had this one interaction with this person and here's what it's like. And here is what I want to, here is what my experience of this person was. And there's this kind of like, I want to be near these people. Like I want a piece of these people. And my interest in celebrities is really not wanting to be with them or, or be near yeah, them. Yeah. And you, well, but you like, is it really? Because I feel like sometimes you do meet people like you famously met the Backstreet Boys. And that was like a really special day for you. I was thinking about that the other week. I don't know why. I think I was <laughs> listening. I was like just listening to Shape of My Heart, which is a, I feel an underrated um, Backstreet Boys song. And then I saw you roll your eyes and you don't agree, but that's no, I okay. Th I was thinking about it. I was thinking about the words, looking back on the things I've done. Um, yeah, they don't make any sense. But I, like, but you met them and you were so excited. Yeah. Yes. But like, I don't want to know them, like just to have met them and to be like, I had this amazing night in Las Vegas where I was sober and fell over because of the proximity to Nick Carter mm -hmm. is like enough for me. I don't want them to be my friends. I like have actively avoided situations where I could meet people who are important to me. Um, as longtime listeners of this podcast might know, I'm a huge Roger Federer fan. And um, 
there was an opportunity because Roger Federer was uh, on the cover of GQ where my husband works and we were kind of be in the same place. Anyway, I could, people were like, would you like to set up a meeting, like a meet and greet with Roger Federer? Like, would you like to say hello to Roger Federer? You could get a picture. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I honestly, I've just moved away from the microphone, which is bad podcasting, but I like, no, no, because <laughs> what would I do? I would be so uncomfortable. What do you say? I know when I, when I talked to Howie D, I was like, love your music. And that was it. I mean, there's, there's nowhere to go from there. <laughs> there's like a, there's like a level of, of vulnerability that I'm not willing to share. I don't know. That's it's too intimate. My interest in, in these people that I actually am invested in is just for me. I don't need to share it with them, but that's for celebrities that I like actually feel a real connection to for everyone else. I don't know that my interest is like I, I like, I don't want to be at one. Where, what's the club now? It's not one Oak anymore. I mean, I know there are no clubs because of COVID except there are because all the TikTokers are having parties, which is bad, I but think the, co- um, the cool clubs are like all part of like the nice guy, Delilah, um, oh, right. Taqueria. Those are the cool ones as far as I know. Yeah. But it's not like the end goal of this podcast is like you and me at Delilah. Um, no. unless we no. want to go have like a nice night, the two of us, because it might be fun. But so that's not my interest. And I understand that people have different interests. And I understand, especially in social media, where so much of the performance of celebrity is like to to be famous, you have to put out there what it's like and what you're doing all of the time. And you have to get people invested in you. So that would then create what I believe is called a parasocial relationship where people are instinctively like, then I would also like to be a part of this experience. But I, that is not my relationship to it. So I think that is my other resistance to the, to the Demois of it all. Yeah. Yeah. And also like on the Demois website where I guess you can get the blinds emailed to you, which I didn't, I did not know until looking into it for this pod. It says Demois publishes rumors and conjecture, not facts. In addition to information reported directly from sources, certain characters, situations, and events portrayed on this website are either products of the author's imagination or conjecture information on this website may contain inaccuracies. The proprietor of this website does not make warranty as to the reliability, validity, or correctness of the content of the site's content or the information sent directly from sources. And so, I don't know, it's just sort of like, this is like unfun to me. And and for some reason, the just kind of circling back, the photos of Anna picking up her sushi just like bummed me out. And I was like, this is, this is no longer a funny internet stunt that like, that benefits many sources or many, many parties. And like, it's time to move on. And I guess other people agreed because now the account is gone. Yeah. So do you think they'll keep being in paparazzi photographs? Yes, absolutely. I mean, now they know, and I think she kind of has to move. Like if I were her, I'd be like, okay, I have to move now. Like that, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Uh, I, I completely agree with you that she has to move. Um, Though, again, I think it's what a lot of people do. And there's a reason that you don't get that many celebrity photographs in Venice. It's because that many celebrities like don't live in Venice because it is an easier logistically place to be photographed. A lot less privacy. And she probably when she moved there, you know, she's in a big hit knives out. But it's not the same. I mean, Ben Affleck is tracked all over Los Angeles and the world. So it's a whole different level of fame. Sure. Though, again, we talk about him all the time. He is someone who is like in a disproportionate number of paparazzi photographs. And there's like the Ben Affleck versus Matt Damon comparison of two guys who started at the same time together, best friends, both like extremely famous. And we know things about Matt Damon now. There was a fantastic 
page six story from a couple weeks ago about Matt Damon moving into his new penthouse in uh, Brooklyn Heights and they had to use a crane to get all the furniture in. Shut down that street. Sure, but there are no photographs of Matt Damon or his family. It's only because they actually had to get public works involved that anyone knows anything about his move-in process. And for the most part, he and his family have avoided being photographed. And Ben Affleck is photographed a lot. Again, it's like, it it is a little bit of the same Ada de Armas-Ben phenomenon where once the paparazzi know where Ben Affleck lives and where they go in Brentwood, it like becomes just a established pattern. And, And they have decided to just like keep living their lives, which I respect actually. But it is it is possible to not be photographed as much as it is, as these people are, but it involves like a lot of money and resources and kind of being on the defensive a bit. Yeah, yeah. I I think she should move. Anna Darmus, if you're listening, I I hope you find a great new home soon. This episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. Home cooking matters now more than ever. With Blue Apron, you can have peace of mind by getting fresh, quality ingredients delivered straight to your door so you can cook delicious, easy meals in the comfort of home. Any night you get to cook and spend quality time enjoying a great meal is a night well spent. Blue Apron's premium recipes take it a step further and give you a truly unique experience. It's like bringing the restaurant home. Even if there's no occasion, it's an affordable, more personal way to make any meal feel special. You often learn something when cooking with Blue Apron, and with their premium recipes, you not only enjoy a restaurant-worthy meal, you also end up discovering a new ingredient or method or a unique food pairing you never would have thought to try. So don't sacrifice flavor. Don't settle for boring meals. Find comfort in the kitchen with Blue Apron and enjoy delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get $30 off across your first two deliveries when you visit blueapron.com slash jam. That's blueapron.com slash jam. Blue Apron, feed your soul. Speaking of new homes. Yeah. Let's do it. Megan and Harry have moved to the home known as the Chateau in Montecito, which is a very wealthy um, elite enclave in Santa Barbara, uh, about 90 minutes, 80 miles north of L.A. Um, And it looks like an extravagant home. It's not beachfront. It's kind of like in the Montecito Hills. So I hope they have good flood and mudslide insurance because that's a real problem there. I'm worried about it for them. And the cost is exorbitant and allegedly they're paying it for themselves. Yeah. I I mean, this is the real estate corner I've been waiting my whole life for. So thank you to everyone. Indulge me. So Montecito, what to know about Montecito is that's where Oprah lives. Like Oprah's giant, like her home base. Ellen and like those are the main, yeah, a lot of other celebrities, but like those are the two big ones. All of those videos you've seen of Gail coming out of quarantine and like reuniting with Oprah, that's been in Montecito. Yes. And I believe like a harvest day is also in Montecito. Like uh, Oprah has like a yeah. massive compound. It's possible also that some harvest days have happened in Maui where Oprah also has a compound because Oprah is living right. But like Montecito is is Oprah's kingdom. So they, they bought this house. The house is, according to public records, $14.7 million. And I have to say, I think it's a really lovely home. And I've always found uh, Montecito to be very lovely. I think the gardens in particular in these listings look look very nice. But $14.7 million. And the documents revealed that the buyers, meaning Harry and Meghan, secured a $9.5 million mortgage. $9.5 million mortgage. Now, you know, 
on the one hand, how else are you going to buy a home? Well, you could normally buy in all cash. And presumably because um, much of Harry and Meghan's funding up until now was coming from the private uh, fortune of the royal family and particularly Prince Charles, they could have gotten cash together, though I don't really know the finances or the relationship between the families at this point. I just I just want to say they just for perspective, they put down 35 percent, which is well over the kind of like standard recommended in a non-crazy market, uh, crazy being New York and L.A. of 20 percent. Like that's kind of like the standard. They put down 35. I'm impressed they even have that much cash. Like, I, I don't know where that's coming from. I don't I don't know. I wondered this as well. I do think that in addition to all the Prince Charles stuff that like Harry and Will inherited money from Princess Diana, that is that is private funds. Mm-hmm. And so that's some cash. And, I, you know, I don't really think that they ever had to pay for a lot of stuff in the UK. And I think that, you know, Megan did have a successful it, career. She's probably I mean, got she, a Millie to her name. At, yeah, I would say at least. I mean, Sue I'm just saying went on ca- for an available liquid cash. Who knows what else she has? But like, <laughs> that's, that's a great point. That's a lot. Um, but, you know, she, who knows what else is coming in the Disney Plus pipeline? Like, I'm sure Elephants was just the first um, and whatever, what other other deals they have. I mean, we don't know. That's true. So the thing that's just interesting to me about this is, you know, number one in these situations, you don't actually hear about the financing structure of these big celebrity real estates. There's a column in Variety called Dirt that breaks these down. And it'll and it uses public listings, and they don't normally include the mortgage. Now, I don't think that means that these really high end purchases don't always involve mortgages. And you know what, mortgage rates are great right now, so maybe in some ways this like made a lot of sense from the allocation of their money. I think it's included because it, the the takeaway is that the house was not bought for them in all cash by the royal family. I think. I think the takeaway. I thought the takeaway was to also some places. That's the that's the generous way of looking at it. I thought it could be to shame them to be like, oh my god, they have a mortgage, they can't put down all cash. I think that's definitely true, but I do want to read you. Here's the headline from this Us Weekly piece. It is why Prince Harry and Meghan Markle didn't ask the royal family to help pay for their Montecito house. And this is a this is a source. So again, we just had a whole long conversation about, you know, check your sources. Can you verify anything? I don't know who this source is. This source could be, you know, someone in the real estate office. It's not like who's never met them. It doesn't know anything. But here we go. Harry could have asked Charles to contribute toward the cost of the house, but he chose not to. A source exclusively reveals to Us Weekly. Getting his dad financially involved would result would result in the royals having control over him. It would mean going backwards. Uh, While Harry and Meghan paid out of their own pockets and have taken out a huge mortgage, the Duke of Sussex is loving being independent and sees it an opportunity to grow. Hold on. There's more from the source. Harry and (laughs) Meghan see it as an absolute bargain. It was an opportunity not to be missed, the source says, of a $14.7 million home. Unlike buying a car, it's an investment. Megan's confident they'll make a hefty profit if they ever decide to sell up. And on the upside, at least their security costs have been reduced. Their new home is gated and secure. They still have bodyguards, but no longer need as many. Okay. This to me seems like someone somewhere in their orbit is like what we should do is clarify that you guys paid for it yourselves. Like... Like, we should put that out there. It's really yeah. important. Yeah. And on the one hand, right. I 
on the one hand, I guess, but like on the other hand, it's it's so bizarre. I really don't think that you can be talking about a $14.7 million home as a bargain or an investment and like look anyone in the face with any, you know, in terms of larger issues. And I just also have so many questions about how did they get this mortgage? If they're if they don't have the royal family, like who's guaranteeing it? Harry has never had a job. I guess he served in the military. That's true. But I like always kind of counted that under a family duty thing. Like, do they have lines of credit? I I'm positive they have stuff lined up. They probably got like some advanced payments. Like I'm positive that there's more Disney plus more like voice work. I'm absolutely sure of it. Like, you know, Megan also said she's ready to use. She did an interview with a women's organization this week. She said she's like ready to use her voice like they're ready to be um, active participants in the celebrity industrial complex, which includes making content that you can get a lot of money for. So I'm positive that there is stuff coming. One hundred percent. Okay. I'm just honestly thinking about Harry's mortgage loan application. (laughs) I'm just like honestly thinking about, well, Amanda, they definitely did it. They definitely bought it through a trust. There's no way it's just their names. It's not like Harry and Meghan applied. Like they have some trust that they, uh, that they used. And so that has all these complex, like financial um, safeguards as a result. That's what rich people do. They're not like, they're not like us when it comes to home buying. I do understand all of that as evidenced by the fact that they have a $9.5 million mortgage. They're not like normal people. I, But like, again, I have questions about the international transfer of the money. Can you guarantee money from another country? I, you know, I understand that trust exists in order to make this possible, but it's pretty hilarious to me. That's all. Montecito is a great place for them. Good job, guys. You found your spot. Yeah. And in terms of privacy and in terms of being a place where people are not photographed as frequently, that does that makes a lot of sense. Montecito is where you go. You have more control. 100 percent. Um, One one final note on some mega celebs. Let's talk about uh, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston are both doing a table read for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's a virtual table read. It's for charity, of course. It includes Morgan Freeman and Shia LaBeouf, Matthew McConaughey, Julia Roberts, Dane Cook, who organized it, Henry Golding and Sean Penn. Honestly, super weird group of people. That's just not a group that I saw working together in any capacity, but I like it. And it was announced um, after the project came out that Brad Pitt was also doing it, meaning that Jennifer Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt would be doing a project together. Um, I'm sure that's just because they're friends with, they have mutual friends because like it's a small world of mega uh, famous people. But like, this is just exciting. You know, just think back to the pre-COVID times to the award season when they were seen like grasping at each other's wrists. I mean, it's just an exciting thought. I'm happy that there will be some Brad Pitt content as well. And I like Jennifer Aniston. So both of them. It's just great. This this is the kind of thing we need to be fueling the, the celebrity complex right now. Not pictures that make us feel bad for looking at them. Well, now you made me feel bad about my takes, Juliet. What is it? I, no, like, I mean, I'll no, okay. shoot your shot. Fire takeoff. So I, I think the concept of Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt, like being in the same Zoom room is is much better than weird paparazzi photos of Anadarmus. And I look forward to parsing the, you know, the Zoom, just like everybody else, even though they're just going to be like in a Zoom. OK, so this is my thing. I agree with you that it's better content. I am just deeply anti table read 
as like a concept and a thing that I'm supposed to care about in the celebrity industrial space. Like I don't care. We've been talking so much in the past months about the low production aspect of COVID-19, which is unavoidable. And also, you know, protect yourself and your loved ones, be safe and healthy. But like, I am tired of some of the low production elements. Like I don't really want to watch any more Zoom stuff. And there's nothing more low production than a table read. It's just like a bunch of actors practicing. I don't find any joy in it whatsoever. I'm really... Um, I. I go ahead. My counterpoint to this is I once went to the film independent series, which was produced by Jason Reitman of a table read on stage of the film Manhattan, which is now controversial for many reasons, including the fact that there's a creepy relationship between um, Woody Allen's character and uh, Mariel Hemingway's character. Nonetheless, they did this table read and Stephen Merchant played the lead role that was originally played by Woody Allen. Mm-hmm. Stephen Merchant was so fucking good that I didn't care that much about that movie. I liked it a lot. I did. I liked it. All problems with it included. And, you know, whatever. Woody Allen, we can't get into that right now. Nevertheless, Stephen Merchant was so magical in this role. I believe that character's name is Yale, if I'm remembering correctly. And I have just lusted after Stephen Merchant ever since. <laughs> and I think of him as like this incredible genius. And so I think that there is, I, I just had a, a personally magical experience with seeing, seeing Stephen Merchant in a table read. Also, it was within like my first two years of LA. So I was like, this is cool. Celebrities okay. are here. And okay. so I was like really into that. <laughs> All important points. And I think that if you get to go be in the room with the celebrities, then it kind of takes on a theater production aspect there is that magic of just like we're all here in this yeah. small space one, one night time only, only which is like can. exactly which is the the magic of theater but i vividly remember these these freaking jason reitman table reads because they were still they were like started when i was a blogger still at vulture and so i was in new york having to co- cover this as like blog material and was definitely not going there or being live or experiencing any of it and just like having to talk about Jason Reitman, whose work I've never really cared for and his like table reads. I was like, I don't care about this. And I do kind of feel that a Zoom version of this is not going to recreate the magical live experience, except maybe for like the one moment when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston kind of wink at each other. Yeah. And and maybe that'll be worth it. Yeah. I Maybe it will be. Who's Who's to say? We'll find out. I feel hopeful that it that it will be. I don't know. Brad Pitt, it, you know, if you think way back to uh, the beginning of uh, quarantine, the celebrity IOU, Brad Pitt really came through in the clutch for us with. Um, oh, yes. Redoing he did. The guest house for his dear friend and makeup artist. And so it's just time. It's time for some Brad Pitt action. And frankly, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So this is some good content. I don't know. I'm being ungenerous about Brad Pitt content. I'm always excited for Brad Pitt content. I accept. Me too. Me too. Okay, great. Wonderful. Okay. Anything else you're excited about in the celebrity space in the future? Celebrity entertainment? Other than what you cover on the big picture with all of, all of the film discussion. Is there anything I'm supposed to be excited about? No. I was on vacation. I, I like. Don't... I feel really great that we got a celebrity real estate corner from Harry oh and God. Megan. Like, Thanks, thank guys. you so much. That was a great gift. My one recommendation for you is the David mm-hmm. Foster documentary on Netflix. Okay, great. It includes a lot of celebrities. It really 
crystallizes who David Foster is and why he matters and therefore why his kids are like Instagram famous. Um, and it's just a wild ride of celebrity. It's I just I, I recommend it to you and to the jam session listener, not even as a documentary, but as like a portrait of this is what a celebrity wanted. I'm sure he had final cut on this. Um, this is what he wanted to be his his uh like documentary slash memoir. I don't know. I'll just say Kristen Chenoweth is also in it inexplicably. Okay. So. <laughs> okay, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, and we will be back next week. 